0: This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of
1: Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I am joined by the usual co host, David Hughes. How are you getting on, mate? I'm very good, thanks, Josh. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, I'm right uh getting slightly worried by the lack of transfer business which is one of the topics we're going to actually tackle this week mm. um firstly before we start the podcast again i'd just like to say thanks to the people that went after last week's episode and signed up for the analyzing anfield newsletter and the analytic five newsletter um first step uh, the first week we we sent them out last week it, it was on my one certainly was on uh, why you probably prefer to watch Marnie over Sally? Uh, some of the reasons behind that, A bit of a you know guesswork on my part, but I think there's you know something in that. Um, Dave's you know Dave covers a, diff- a variety of topics virtually every day, so certainly worth signing up for. But this week's newsletter will be sent out uh, tomorrow for me and Lazenby Field um, Wednesday about midday, and we're recording today on the Tuesday. So it's it's worth noting. If you sign up after a newsletter is sent out, you can't go back and read it. It's it's gone. You have to have signed up and received the newsletter in your emails to to view it. So again, similar to last week, if you if you haven't signed up yet, go and do it. You'll get analysed now for your content, direct to your emails. Um, just search my Twitter at distance covered and it's at the top of my profile where you can sign up and all that sort of stuff uh, And you want to add on that Dave Oh or...
0: no, yeah just make sure you do sign up it's it, you know it's really good I uh, I enjoyed that because obviously it was, it was you who wrote that piece so it was new to my eyes and it was good very interesting um, from an analytics far point of view you know I'll keep it I'll keep it brief but we seem to be getting some really good feedback on it I'm glad people are enjoying it uh, make sure you go over to my Twitter to sign up uh, it's obviously free, ad free as well. Um, this week we're we're previewing the Champions League second legs. Obviously, there's some really good games. Frustratingly, Liverpool aren't in it this year, but I suppose it can be enjoyed as a neutral. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> if you can try and get over it as soon as possible, because we've only got a couple more games now to look at, uh, and then maybe in a couple of weeks we'll we'll have a look back at some of the what I consider our our best newsletters so far, and we'll. We'll send them out to the, the people who may have missed them first time round. But yeah, make sure you get signed up to both and hopefully you're enjoying it like uh, like others seem to be at the moment.
1: Yeah, good stuff. So what we're going to talk about this episode is I think last week we mentioned about you know what, what each club needs sort of thing to challenge for the league next season. I think we said we were maybe going to revisit that at the end of the, the window. I think what we're going to do is as each link comes out, and it looked concrete and it looks like it's about to happen. Each week we're probably going to have a few words on whether it's a goodbye, whether we should be concerned or that sort of stuff, just general thoughts on what our rivals are doing and what Liverpool are doing if we eventually do any- anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then once we've once had a little chat about what our rivals are doing, um, but then going to look at potential relegated players that Liverpool can target. We know that's uh, an inefficiency in the market that Liverpool have quite clearly identified considering, you know, Wijnaldum, Andy Robertson, Shaqiri, all signed for less than their actual worth from relegated clubs, considering the current financial climate. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense for Liverpool to target players like that if they want to save a bit of money, but after the squad. So I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool end up doing it we'll just go have a little look at that and then maybe if we've got time, just a bit more on, you know, how how Liverpool can really navigate this window because it is, you know, it's, yeah, keep it in the same way, but it's, it's unprecedented really, isn't it? I mean, that seems to be the theme. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see where we go with it anyway. But first, I think the I think it's confirmed. I think it's officially confirmed, but Nathan Achey is officially signed, I think, for, for Manchester City. Um we 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 covered last week, you know what what we think they need. We we did mention centre backs and stuff like that, but I think we both have slight reservations regarding that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's one way spoiler. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you know, if we start with you know the pros, he's a he is a he's a good young player. Um, he's I think he's really good on the floor. He's got one of the. I think he's he's near he's either inside or near the top ten in terms of you know defensive duels won um uh, this season. He's he's really good in possession as well which is important within the city side. Um so there is a lot to like about him especially from a man city point of view but you know there's a there's a glaring weakness and I mentioned it on twitter you followed up with something on on the same tweet um He's yeah, it basically he's, he's he's not good enough in the air, in my opinion. I know he, he he he's he's small by nature, isn't he? He's only is it five foot eight.
1: I, I think own. he's I think he's bigger than five foot eight. I think he's about five foot eleven, isn't he? Oh okay, well I was gonna get that he, again. Actually, that, I suppose doesn't make goal. you very small. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll I'll say it, you know, but I think even five eleven, it's it's has a of, a dominant sense of like, Usually, yeah. you you wanting. Six was, foot
0: and over, really. It is five eleven. I don't know why I have five yeah. eight. In me, I've been, I've been looking at a few <laughs> players this morning, so maybe that's why it was there. But yeah, you know, I, uh, I think for those who didn't see it, I, I pointed out that Aki's ranks inside the bottom ten um, for central defenders in terms of aerial duels won last season. Ironically, Garcia is in there as well. So City have two of those players. Um, I think you then kind of doubled down on that a little bit, didn't you, Josh? With something that. Really, kind of hammers home the, the issues he has from that that aspect of the game. Yeah, well, I just
1: compare him to the whole of Europe. <laughs> uh, so there's there's two hundred and thirty four centre backs in Europe's top five leagues who have played at least one thousand five hundred minutes this season. That's two hundred and thirty four. Nathan Aki ranks two hundred and twenty first for aerial dual success rate. Um again just pushes home the point that he's not really that good in the air. Um I will say there's there's a fair few positives attached to it. He is he is cool and composed, he is left footed, which you know the Laporte's the only left-footed centre back they've got. He is Premier League proven, 25 years old, so he should be moving into his peak really. Um doesn't get injured very often. But I think I think the aerial weakness that he has, I do think it. It, it would it be a problem for City in, in a few matches specifically. I think a lot of teams, their approach to getting out of City's press is to hit it long. and Say, for example, Burnley comes to mind. Burnley always comes to mind with this sort of stuff. If you, if you sign press, you know, Charlie Taylor, Phil Barnsley, he, he's going to hit it 60 yards up the field. And if Nathan Aki's contesting a duel, Chris Wood, that's. It's probably not even fifty-fifty. It's probably sixty. Yeah. 60-50. yeah. <laughs> um. And if if Chris Wood wins that knock-on, or even if you know something like that, if he wins the knock-on, it it could be a problem for City in terms of sustaining attacks and stuff like that. Obviously, if you're playing Man City, another aspect is you don't get many opportunities at all to score. One of the few opportunities you might look at when you're facing City is okay. If we get a set piece, we can do this. Having a a player, who, having a centre back who's who's five foot eleven, and he's amongst like the bottom, I don't know, bottom ten percent or whatever of centre backs in Europe for aerial success. That's not going to make you better from set pieces. It's going to make you worse. Really. Um. So I think it's, I think he's an okay sign, specifically if he's just a report deputy. But if he's being signed as as the player we said they needed last week, you know that kind of dominant presence who's Capable when it comes to all aspects of the game, I think he falls short in that in that regard. Yeah, I think,
0: you know, I had a lot of replies that sweet where people were kind of saying, you know, one in particular, I'm not calling the person out, but a really good example. Someone said, "Gone are the days of the best defenders being headed and lump it merchants," and I think you're just missing, you're missing the point here. I feel like at sides like City and Liverpool, it's it's. As important as ever that they can they can dominate in the air for something that you mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago. Where on the whole they control possession of the ball, they can control territory as well. So these central defenders are normally playing on. Well, on the halfway line, the pool fans listen now only have to think about where Van Dijk and Gomez spend most of the match, and the out ball for those opponents is that long ball, and the only way you can maintain the pressure is you know winning that initial header and then trying to pick up then the second ball as well if you're losing that duel every single time then you're in trouble and you're always giving them the out ball uh, it becomes a tactic for them and i think it's what liverpool do do it do what they do now so well because they've got van dijk now even gomez who's who's not to the standard of van dijk but he's so much better than what Aki is in the air um and that's it, it is so important
1: yeah, there's been a few games this season where, specifically Van Dyke, but even even the aerial prowess of of Massif has come into it, and Gomez a little bit further down as well. Just certain games where we've been battered aerially, but we've just we've coped fine. Burnley away, Sheffield United away as as well. Van Dyke was an absolute monster, um, at on lane, and I think if, if we had played with say for example City's centre backs um in that match, I think we'd have probably lost or something like that, or maybe even or maybe Drew or or whatever. But if you just gotta think about it, how Liverpool coped before Van Dyke was signed. Van Dyke's obviously improved Liverpool defence in a number of areas, but the the, the aerial dominance that Liverpool now have is you know it's is clear to see and I do think it's important for these for these teams that want to dominate to have a player like that. Um yeah it's it's not absolutely evident but and i think it's more important for liverpool center back than a city center back but it's a trade you want and it's a trade that would put me off if i was a if i was looking on Mm -hmm. but having said that he does tick a few other boxes and as i said if he's a if he's a deputy if he's a you know third fourth choice it's not the worst deal in the world but it's it's too much money though 41 million for him is crazy do you think it's because
0: he's because uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a lefty as well, Josh. I that it's just James York tweeted out, didn't he? That he he named about maybe five or six left footed central defenders in the Premier League who've played over nine hundred minutes, you know, and he pointed out was it's quite a small pool yeah. of, of of players. And I do, I do wonder whether that does influence decisions sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's probably been weighted in the decision making as to whether he's a good signer a lot more than we're probably crediting, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But another player who hasn't officially signed yet, but it looks like he's going to... Jaden Sancho. um, How how does this make you feel? How
0: does this make (laughs) you feel initially before we get into analysis, as a put your fan head on, because I was quite telling... Put my fan head on? Yeah, yeah, because we're getting to the analysis... You see, you know, one of Liverpool's rivals buying a player, Sancho. Does it? Does it bother you? Yeah. Um,
1: I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm just. I'm. I'm more gutted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, there's a bit yeah. of a difference, He's like, mm. just a fantastic sign. It's just a great buy. Like, it's just, It's just. You don't even have to overthink this one. Regardless of how much he costs, it's just a great buy um really really good player english homegrown yet yeah, he's expensive but doesn't matter if you're manchester united yeah it's not really a deal. the way liverpool have to look at you know certain ledges in the market undervalued players and all that sorts of clever stuff you don't really have to do as much if you're man united you just go out you just have to not buy bad players you just have to sign hit after hit after hit and if you've got loads of money that's a lot easier um I think Sancho's gonna be a hit, here uh, You know, pretty obvious. Twenty years old yeah. and play on both flanks uh, really well as well. And in his mm-hmm. in his past two seasons in the Bundesliga, he's hit double figures goals and double figures assists in both seasons. So it's just it's just a really a really good buy. and not, not much more to say to it. Yes, I would have loved him at Liverpool. I never ever thought we were gonna buy him anyway, just because of how expensive he's gonna cost. how expensive he's gonna be. He, you know, United are paying probably a grand total of 120 million for this player. Um you'd have to be incredibly, you know, transformational for Liverpool to be willing to pay that. And looking at Liverpool's current team, and this is probably why I'm not that worried. I still I still think Mane and Salah are better at the minute, at least. Um, I think Sancho can be whenever he wants. One of the reasons maybe I'm not too concerned just yet is that I still think, you know, if Liverpool was to keep a 4 3 3, I still don't think he starts actually. But um, it's it's still just a, a brilliant buy. Mm.
0: Yeah, really good round up that actually. Um, I wasn't sure because we'd spoken about previously um, whether the the fee was just too much. This is before we knew the specifics, so we were guessing, you know, that we even at one point we were like, he's going to be, you know, 140, 150. Um, and we were like, it's just too much. So I, I was thinking, I wonder if this is going to be a controversial take, but from what you've just said, it isn't. But I think for what, the, the figure at the moment is 108, I believe, 108 million, and then there might be add-ons further down the line. But I think for that price, he's worth every penny. I really do. You know, I think...
1: It was, um, I think, I think that the 108 the is it is English, isn't it? But I yeah, think that's the, right. Yeah, I think Dawn wants 120 million euros and all that. So I suppose it depends wherever you're going by yeah.
0: Yeah, that's my conversion rate. That <laughs> <laughs> 108, um, I don't think that'd be far off to be fair, but anyway, yeah, he's you no know, 17 goals, was it? Um, this season in the league, 17 assists as well. Uh, all the underlying numbers back up everything he does. He's only 20 and to to have played the number of games he has at the highest level already to me points to a player who you know won't really need any sort of transition period because he's he's played at the highest level for so long that you could just imagine him coming in and be a be a huge hit um I just think he's a phenomenal player and, and I can understand why some Liverpool fans might be frustrated that they haven't made a move because I think Liverpool are appealing enough to get him um and I know you you talk about the way United work financially compared to Liverpool, it's a bit different. But there's probably a frustration that Liverpool couldn't just go out and spend on, on this guy. I know we said this about team Werner but I put Sancho on that same same bracket. Uh, and he'll definitely improve improve United.
1: Yeah. Um I mean we did we did mention a while back that they're, they're very quietly on the right track. And I think um what they've what they've done that's most notable is they've stopped making mistakes in the market. That's the big thing. They've stopped buying players who have maybe, you know, a fifty percent chance of coming off or whatever. The they're only buying players who the are certain are gonna come off and that's involved fifty million for Wambersake, 80 odd million for Harry Maguire, 108 for Sancho. Ridiculous fees. But the crucial thing is that they're not making mistakes. They're getting hits, the signing hits every time. So finally, we'll just, a quick note on on Ferran Torres, who, um, I've actually heard, heard a word that he's getting announced tomorrow. A uh, little bit of inside information there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the Tuesday today. So we'll see whether that happens or not. But yeah, it looks like he's signed for Manchester City. Any thoughts?
0: Um, I'm struggling with this one actually. I was talking about this this morning. Um, I think he looks a really good talent. You know, we're talking about the players the same, same age as Sancho, and he's certainly not on that level. Uh, I think he looks a really good dribbler, just from what I can see. There doesn't seem to be a lot of um end product in the final third. Um, maybe yeah. I'm way off. Maybe I'm way off, I don't know. Um, I've only really looked at the numbers. I, I I can't remember watching him in a full game. So, I'm only working off clips and uh, what well, I've seen the numbers. And I think he just looks a really exciting player. But I'm just not sure how good he is, I guess. And I also think, you know, we were talking about adaptation for Sancho there. I think that it could be difficult in terms of adapting to this league because... You know, if you think about City's games, they're always coming up against low blocks. And Torres, to me, seems like a player who's relying a lot on his pace of speed and quick dribbling. And there isn't going to be a lot of that Um in in England. But as I said, it's a tough one. It's not one that I'm
1: thinking Liverpool have missed the risk No, i I think he'll be OK. Um I, th- I must admit, I think I'd be a, a bit more concerned about whether he'd be... Whether he's going to struggle, or if he was moving to anywhere other than Manchester City, I think because he's moving to City and he'll be working under Guardiola, he's got a bit more of a chance of being a success. Um, I think he's a downgrade on Leo Um which I think is quite a big deal. Considering you know, if you're replacing a player, ideally you don't really want to take a step down, and I think that's what they've done a little bit. Um, you know, right-footed right winger, 20 years old. Good first touch from what I've seen him. Mm -hmm. But I think you are right in terms of his his product. Six goals and seven assists in La Liga since his debut. Um, And that's about 3,400 minutes. So it's okay. Um, Probably increase and be be much better at at the Etihad, to be honest, considering City's dominance. But yeah, I don't think he's, certainly not yet, I don't think he's much of a game changer. I think he's just kind of um, another city attacker, basically, to answer the wealth of options they've already got. Um, I
0: yeah. I wonder if potentially, you mentioned Sane there, I was wondering maybe that to seeing him as like a, a long-term Mares type replacement, no, because he's considered yeah. a fairly decent dribbler and some threat in the final third, but he hasn't developed that yet. I wonder if maybe he's... Because he's, Mares is, what, like 29 now, so... His yeah. game will probably start regressing over the next year or two. So maybe that's that's the option. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but it, it could be. But um, mind you, I was going to say that I think Mahrez is a lot better. But having said that, I don't know what Maras was like when he was 20. I don't even know where he was playing. Mm. Um, but Mahrez seems to have a lot of product to his game. And Mares is left-footed. I think Torres seems a bit more uh, generic. A bit more like, you know, not really a generational type. You Know get the kind of play you'd see um, quite often, really. I mean, I don't want to play him down too much because he's not, he's not a bad player by any means, but it's, I suppose, we're just talking in terms of title chasing. And from a an Liverpool perspective, I don't think it's, it's one's overly too concerned about. I, uh, um,
0: it to me, Josh, it feels like if he was joining, and this is no disrespect to them because they're a good side, but. If he was joining, say, Arsenal, you'd be like, oh, OK, yeah, you know, a a, a good player, by the it yeah. joining a good side. But as you alluded to there, you know, so I'm not like Liverpool and City at the moment, and um, I don't think he's going to particularly... Um, he, so he, he wouldn't close the gap, for example,
1: this year between City and Liverpool, would he? No. Um, just for a little bit of perspective, he's, he's a few months younger than uh christian pulisic pulisic who oh, i think again he's another one you compared him to sancho before in terms of pulisic i'd say i'd rate pulisic above him as well so yeah i don't know we'll, we'll see where we go with him um but in terms of in fact before we move on to relegated players have you got any quick thoughts on william to arsenal mm. this one's caused quite a bit of a controversy you know, talk yeah
0: I can I can understand why he the players choosing to do it. I know they wanted to sign him down, but they're probably thinking, um he's probably thinking as a player, you know, look at the players that they've got coming in. It's gonna be a fight to to play in the side next year, not even sure what formation they're gonna be using. So maybe he wanted a new fresh challenge. But I actually do really like William. Um just some analysis where he did for the piece a couple of weeks ago. And I was just the and I think he does take some set pieces, of course, but he had the highest XA even this season at Chelsea. Um so he's still a huge creative threat. I think he's, he's his game's rate sure. He looks like such a good player, despite being on the wrong side of 30. Um so I I think from an Arsenal point of view, yeah, I think he's a good move. Do you do you not think so? Or
1: I don't know. It's it's tricky. I mean, they're meant to be paying him quite a bit and they're giving him a three three year deal with one year extension, which I think is quite mad for a thirty one year old. No, that's true. Um and it depends whether he's maybe going to block the path of a few of the talent got at the club. Um but what I will say in his defence, I think although he's 31, he doesn't seem to be showing any signs of physical regression. He's absolutely light and quick still. He's one of the he's one of the quickest players I think I've ever seen in terms <laughs> of, in terms of and. To your top speed like that he just he's just lightning gets away from you so quickly mm. Uh, mm. Which, is why, which is why i think he's he's a really good player in transition and things like that it seems like in terms of the ball to the final third and i'd like to see him almost as a an oxford chamber and midfielder that type of thing where he's um just using his, his physical you know Capacity to, to just carry the balls to, to the attackers and then kind of let them put the ball in the net because I think he's similar to Watson. Same terms of just his actual outposts and same of goals and assists. It's improved this season, you know, fair enough. But over the course of his career, it hasn't been enough for to justify an attacking slot in in a top European team. Maybe
0: mm-hmm.
1: would um, <laughs> Would
0: you like to see him at Liverpool under different financial circumstances?
1: No. No, eh, no. uh, I, I wouldn't have much of an interest in, in 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 Liverpool bringing him in. But when he was when he was linked to Liverpool, I'm afraid I, I did one on that even though he chose Spurs and Chelsea over us or or whatever. Uh, but yeah, as an
0: attacker,
1: <sighs> yeah, as tacker, I don't think he offers enough in terms of product. Eh, mm. uh, but relegated well, players anyway, for Liverpool. So we'll start with Norwich. Anyone from Norwich who, you know, as Michael Edwards you'd be be interested in picking off for a reduced gonna, price, let's say.
0: I'm gonna leave the open goal for you because there's a player I know you really like. Um I get spoken about a lot. So I'll I'll leave that one. Um I don't think I would come up with any new shouts. I think I can't remember if this was you who said this or somebody else when talking about Jamal Lewis He said they were a little bit disappointed by him in this campaign. But I still
1: I still think he'd be a good option for Liverpool as as a left back, Um no, I think I think for me I was a bit, I think I might have said I was a bit disappointed with Max Adams on the opposite side. Oh, sorry, yeah, it would have been, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Um, well, yeah, then I'll I'll start us off. Yeah, I think I think Lewis would be a good buy. Um, you know, he he's got some Premier League experience now. Okay, in a in a poor side, but he uh, he's, he's I'm pretty sure he still just twenty. He might be twenty two now actually. Um, but I think he. He looks a good all rounder uh, in at left back. Um, plenty of plenty of room to improve.
1: Do you know which country he represents?
0: No, he, he did represent England
1: at a certain level. I'm sure he did. I could have sworn for some reason that he was English, but he's yep. uh, he's Northern Irish, Ireland. What? Yeah, oh, I didn't. Oh uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I had my eye
0: wiped there. I was convinced he represented.
1: And well he says he was yeah, born I... at
0: Luton, but yeah, I've had my eye wiped. I'm surprised that I didn't know that. Maybe Same. he thought it's it's a better chance of you know playing regularly, but I don't know, he, he looks like he could have a high ceiling. But yeah, I'd put him in there, Josh, and then um a who I played you a kind of thought, I I thought he was a little bit hotter in the earlier in the season and maybe cooled down. Obviously I had injuries as well, be you know, can't well. Um technically sound, good composure. Um good with both feet. The only thing with him is having watched Minamino who's, who's also quite slight. Mm. I just wonder whether it, it's kind of made me rethink bringing, bringing in that type of player and how much they could actually in, impact the game for Liverpool. I don't know if that's really harsh. don't know if you agree, but um, it's just made me reconsider that thought process a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good point. I think, I think if you were to replace Adam Lanna like for like I think you know, Cantwell looks like a complete reincarnation. Of him. Um, really, really similar player in terms of being slight, being really technical, close control, uh, good in small spaces and stuff like that. But mm. And he's English as well. English and hung Kong Cantwell. So, you know, that offers a few little scotions. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't, in terms of his physical stuff, his physical traits, he does look like a... <laughs> Uh, for lack of a better word, a bit of a boy, to be honest. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and Liverpool are, are a team full of men. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to the play, the play that, yeah, I'm sure he was teaming me up for with people and Dia. Mm. Uh, don't get me wrong; I don't think he's just absolute world beater, but mm. I, I think he's in terms of what we what, what we like to find, you know, the the output merchants we call him. He's an output merchant, at least in terms of creating chances for other players. Uh, he's one of the players that you'd probably overlook if you didn't have de- access to data. But if you've got data, you'll probably see that. He's a really you know, high-risk type player. Um, only one goal in the Premier League all season, seven assists. But only five players in total posted more shot assists than he did. That's despite finishing twel- uh, 20th in the table. And only two players averaged more shot assists per 90. Those were De Bruyne and Pascal Gross. I think. Obviously, set-pieces plays a part in that. But, yeah, I think in terms of setting up other players, he's only 23. He, as as an option from the bench, let's say, I think he'd be a really, really useful solution considering how he's inclined to spot openings. And stuff like that you know if you if you can't break through or something like that, pop when they' on for fifteen minutes, you'll just you know you'll just spot things, you'll just see things. Mm. Yeah. It's
0: it feels like it'd probably be a bit of an upgrade on uh on Shakiri, for example, you know someone who you could you could look to to come on and actually influence the game um I think mm. that was meant to be Shakiri's role but hasn't for whatever reason hasn't quite worked out as of this this year um
1: yeah, but the- yeah. The only thing is with him, um, I think he signed a new contract at the start of the season. And I think we're just getting Minamino in. Um, I'm not sure if there'd if, if there's be that much logic in adding Buendia to an attacking lineup that already has Minamino, who's similar in height, similar in age, roughly, um, and similar in. You know where on the pitch the areas he wants to take up and stuff like that so maybe there's a little bit of a conflict there now where you know i can't really see it happening. but at the same time knowing what liverpool are like with the numbers and stuff like that and if we can get a decent fee for keady maybe you know it's, I, I wouldn't rule it out but i don't know he's a, he's a player that i'm sure liverpool will be will be aware of you know because mm-hmm. you, you can't not be when he's when he's as attacking as that the, um... <laughs>
0: The only thing with him as well that could be a bit of an issue um, would be he, he's kind of drifted on onto the radar, sorry, of a, of a few different Premier League clubs. The people probably just think, you know, it's not a necessity signing for them at all. You know, did he really want to get involved in any sort of, um, yeah, not bidding war because I don't think they'd approach it. You know, if it become that, they wouldn't bother. But, you know, would they want to be paying an extra, say, five million? Just to be others sort of to him, I don't think he'd be that bothered, really.
1: Yeah, I think for me, I'd just like to see him in the stay in the league. Yeah. Um, like, I saw him linked with um, Leeds. I that that'd be, I'd love to see that. You know, mm. Buen under on the BLC that'd be a uh, to see that.
0: Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel.
1: But yeah, what about Watford then? Um. Unless you've got any um, more knowledge players.
0: I haven't actually. Uh no <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say much for them really. Uh, I'll have to go with the obvious one because, you know, I'm a huge fan. And it's Sa. Uh, you know, really versatile, exciting player. Um, I still think he's a little bit raw. Um but you know, I, I think in a few years he's gonna be a really top player. Um, you know, he's tall, six one, really, really quick. Um he he's good on the ball, you know. He's a he's a good dribbler. Um, and as I said, I'm not too sure it's all live in the final third, but he's still chipped in with a few goals this year. Um, he seems to work very hard as well. You know, at Watford, he's at, he's really improved his defensive work this year because they've often kind of been sitting deep and relying on him to, you know, kind of get them out and explode. Uh, he's just a really good player. He he's basically followed the same path as Mane as he, in terms of. Coming through the is it the foot academy? I, I, I'm not Generation speaking. Foot, is it? Yeah, that's it. That is it. Yeah, Generation yeah. Foot. Um, he's come through there. Um, obviously, he's a Senegal player as well. I, just, I could see him coming to Liverpool
1: and really developing in this regime. Yeah, I think I've of all the players that suffered relegation. I think he's got the highest ceiling, uh, comfortably. 22 years old still, but I I must admit I really, really like him. I think he's got a lot on his side in terms of his profile and what he could become. I just think he needs a fair bit of training. Good training by a good attacking coach. Like maybe, you know, a certain Jürgen Klopp. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I I think he's coped well at Watford. I think he's been used as a bit of an outlet. You know, carrying him up the field and that sort of stuff, which he's really good at, because of his, uh, his running ability and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Clearly got lots of stamina, athleticism, I think you, meant, you just mentioned there, he's 6 for one I think, which you probably wouldn't even, you wouldn't even consider that, would you? I think that's just another, another positive, really, That another thing that he's just got added to his game that, you know, I think Mane is really good in the air, for example. Um, because if you can have an attacker who's tall rather than shorter you know it's probably, it's probably going to be better for you isn't it? Mm-hmm. um i think he's been used at Watford as well on the right and considering these footers right i'd be interested to see how he did on the left for the season you know with a bit more goal focused rather than you know crosses and stuff like that mm. i uh <laughs> a piece
0: of, I, I wrote about him um I basically alluded to that. I was like, you know, don't be fooled by the fact he is playing on the right. He's doing that because Watford see that as the as the best position for him at the moment, so to suit them. But I mean, he he is versatile, isn't he? You know, he he can play on either side, and we've we've said before how important that is. If you think of Liverpool's wide attackers now, they can play on either side of the pitch, um, and I just think the ability to, to swap wings mid game always causes headaches for a, a side defending. You know, just upsets the rhythm of the, their game plan a little bit. So to have a player who can do that is is really important. So he just ticks a lot of bull boxes, I think, for me. Okay. I don't think he'd come in and be an instant hit like say Mane was when he came from Southampton. But in a, a year or two, yeah, I think he could he could be there.
1: Yeah. I think on on the clock he could be really, really good. Um I just have my doubt as to whether it'd happen. Um For example, Watford only bought him last season and he paid £30 for him. So although they've suffered relegation, I'd expect them to want at least the money back. Um, They also have a link with Udinese in Serie A through the Pozzo family. Um, So technically, you wouldn't have to keep a relegated player in the Championship. You could send them to Udinese for a year. He's also contracted for another four years, and you know Liverpool. had, I'm not sure if you want to include this or not, but Liverpool had a bit of a transfer, um, maybe a and I'm sure you could call a few years ago with Peter Zielinski, um, Polish player who was contacted to Udinese at the time, and Liverpool were trying to buy him, and he was a he was comings and goings and a bit of confusion and stuff like that. But after that deal not happening. You know, maybe the the bridge between Liverpool and the Pozzo family or whatever is a little little bit tarnished, but you know, it remains to be seen whether that's even a thing. That's just completely speculation, that one as to whether that hindered a deal or not. Um but yeah, as a as a relegated player, out of all the relegated players in Europe, I think I think Sarah would be I'd be excited if we signed Saad. I'd like like us to sign him over a lot of players who've stayed in the top division. (laughs) To be honest, I don't know. He's one of the best players I've seen to to actually suffer relegation in the past few years. Um, And then finally, Bournemouth. Nobody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I was laughing to myself when I knew we were going to be um, considering this subject and looking into it because I was like, (laughs) <laughs> I wish analyzing Anfield was five years ago when Liverpool weren't this size. You know they were kind of trying to become something better, because hmm. um, it'd be a lot easier to try and pick players for them. I think it's really hard. There's there's one player I know you've uh, written about some previously. Um, they were linked last year. You know maybe Lloyd Kelly. Um, I'll let you go into that a little bit further. Just I'll just mention there's a couple of players that I do like at Bournemouth. You know, I like David Brooks, I think he could be a good player. Um, I I, I like Phil Billing as well. Um, which mm. might be on my own for that, but I just I get I get Fellaini vibes about him, and people might laugh and because the people perceive Fellaini as this kind of joker, a bit of a liability. <laughs> but as someone who watched him, you know, week in week out, um, he's a he was a very good player, very effective player, and he just reminds me of him. So I think they they're two really good players who should stay in the Premier League. But um, not not Liverpool standards. So yeah, um, yeah, kind of should be Premier League players, but not not certainly top two sides. But I uh, don't know if you want to mention Louis Kelly.
1: Yeah, Louis Kelly was the name I've got down. To be honest, um, half their squad seems to be ex Liverpool players <laughs> 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 Could have got Brad Smith back or you know and like that. But yeah, Louis Kelly still only twenty one. We were linked with him last summer. When he was at Bristol City still. English, homegrown. So he's ticking the boxes. Good athlete. Um uh, mobile. Left footed as well, which you know it does me hid him whenever whenever Robertson's out. We have to replace him at left back with a right footed player. It just just messes things up. Robertson's the only left footed defender at the club. Um it just needs it needs resolve and never can. And I think I don't think Bournemouth would be too fast, to lost Kelly and i think they'd probably accept the money back i think they paid about 13 million for him last summer maybe we could get him for even less than that considering you know the lack of revenue they've got because of the coronavirus suffering relegation so yeah Ke- kelly is a uh, that'll be interesting i want to see if we do maybe look back at that because liverpool have this thing where we, we might get linked with a player in like 2013 and four years later we all we'll sign them <laughs> like Salah, we were linked with when he was at Ball. Um, shakiri we were linked with when he was at Bayern Munich, I think. And we we usually keep keep our focus on these players for even after they've moved. So the fact Lloyd Kelly's come back down to the Championship, that would be an interesting little little solution, let's say, to, to a potential void in the Liverpool squad. And know Nico Williams has come through, but and he's rifles. And he's he's a right back for me, not a left back. Even though he gained minutes yeah. at left back, um, but yeah, David brooks crossed my mind, um, even just as a player who's maybe gonna offer a bit more than, a rigi but um, I, to be honest, I I can't see, can't see that. One. Um, and Philip Billing, I I agree with you in terms of being a player that I like, but I'm a, I'm a little, little bit surprised by the Fellaini comparison purely because he's a he was quite an attacking player, Winnie, in the final third? And I think Billing's more of a bit of an indeedy type, yeah. So, yeah. so
0: uh, at Everton, he was used like that. I think his career basically kind of progressed into that. Um, but Everton actually signed him from standard age as a defensive midfielder, um, like a sitting midfielder, um, yeah. And he could do that role really well, but specifically in that kind of Moyes era, um, Everton were almost playing like false nines before it was cool, but (laughs) it it certainly wasn't tactically cool. It was basically putting like a Fellaini and a Kale up front, Mm. you know, hitting them long and knocking it down and kind of building around them. Um, Mm. And Fellaini just proved himself to be a really good all-rounder, but the comparison, I guess, comes from the way he's got this physical presence, but he's not just kind of lump it to him. He's also got pretty good technical abilities as well. I think... Um. He's just a player I like, and as said, he's the only thing. He's been relegated now, hasn't he? Twice, he got relegated <laughs> with Huddersfield and and then Bournemouth. So, hopefully, yeah, not I that mean,
1: charm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's still only twenty four, and you know, six for four centre midfielder. I will say that I don't really think Liverpool need a centre mid. Um, maybe would make you know accommodations if a player like Thiago becomes available. To, you know, that remains to be seen, but. I think if, you know, a few smart clubs in the league probably should be looking at Philip Billing. Um, maybe even, don't shoot me down, Dave, maybe even Evan. You know, considering the, the lack of central midfield Evan have at the minute, Billing could be a smart little pick up there for, you know, maybe, I don't know, 15 million or, or something. Yeah, I like him.
0: I, you know, like, the, the last game I watched them live, um, and actually watched them rather than just highlights or anything, was uh, was at Anfield, and if you remember that game, oh, Bournemouth did okay. It, I'm pretty sure it was two one, was it? Um, uh, yeah, I think so. Oh my God. Yeah, it was a. I thought he he looked pretty good on the day, um. So yeah, you know, I'm not. Yeah, that you'd need obviously to look at it further to see if he'd suit suit the club, but I think as a player, that he could certainly play at that level, you know. A, our team looking to be, you know, at minimum top eight.
1: Yeah. So, just just three more that I'd like to note from the rest of Europe. Um, so, I'm not sure if I mentioned them on this podcast, but a player called Mark Rocher suffered relegation at La Liga, uh, in La Liga, contracted to Espanyol, midfielder, so unlikely to be linked with Liverpool, but left footed, 23 years old, six foot, and just goes on the ball tactical on the ball and that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, I'd expect them to move. Sandro Tonali, who Liverpool have been with in the past, the next parallel, apparently, um, <laughs> suffered relegation with Brescia in Serie A. Again, I think it's nonsense, can't see it happening, but I get a nice little football, you know, of certain clubs when I look at him, you know, say for example, like a Norwich, something like that He seems tailored to be a Norwich player. Um, and a few months ago, I mentioned a player called Milot Rashica for Werder Bremen. Werder Bremen incredibly lucky because they suffered relegation. But in Germany, if you finish, I think at sixteenth, you have a playoff with the team who mm-hmm. comes up from the comes up in third place or something like that from Bundesliga two. They actually drew two all, I think, mm-hmm. but stayed in the league on away goals. So where uh, Rashika stays in the Bundesliga, which means that, you know, he's not available on the cheap, but if he was available on cheap he'd be up there with, with Sa in terms of being a really suitable attacker that Liverpool could pick up on the cheap. I um, um I watched a lot
0: of Word and Bremer uh post restart. They just seem to be on every week. Um, yeah. but I think a lot of the games were are so I see I watched a lot of them and I, I was really impressed with them. Um I kind of discounted them for the reason that they did stay up. But I didn't know it was that tight. And you know, I I knew it went to the playoff and I saw that they stayed up. But I didn't know it was on away goals. Um God, that yeah. was hard. That was tough. Um, because they didn't look good last year, because there was a few players that were getting linked with moves, should they be in relegated. Uh there was another guy in the midfield, I think it's Eckstein or something like that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He um, I think two of them actually. Yeah, there is. There's two of them who play for Werder Bremer. Um, we've got Maximilian Xtein and then um, Jonas. But yeah, the Maximilian, he uh, he looks he looks quite a good player. And I was thinking maybe he might have got a move. Um, didn't happen. But just you mentioned Rocco as well. I've 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 wrote a few pieces. Of potentially, you know, midfielders, some clubs can target, and he was one that was in there. Um, he's a good, he's a good shout as well. So yeah, there are a like couple names out there.
1: Yeah. So we, we seem to have time then. So if you're Liverpool at the minute, you know how ha- how do we navigate this window then? Because you know I I spend a fair bit of time on Twitter, and it, it's looking increasingly like fans' stands to get a little bit concerned and stuff like that especially seeing United sign Sancho, Chelsea sign Vane and ZF, and Link would have it. So, you know, it's, I suppose it's a tricky one, but, you know, how do Liverpool navigate a window like this? Mm. How, how is best to, to play it, I suppose?
0: Well, <gasps> one thing I will say about the other teams is people have got to remember that they it was a necessity for them to strengthen just to close the gap. You know, Liverpool probably need to strengthen just to um, maybe build a little bit more and maintain what they've already done. You no, know, those teams needed to invest heavily just to get anywhere in the even the conversation of the title race. But that being said, I must admit, you know, I'm not trying to add fuel to the fire here. I think Liverpool should be buying at least one top quality player. Um, you know, if it's a Thiago, then then so be it. Because I do think they need them. Um, I think I'll, I'll use your term when you talk about it, the squad just needs that freshening up um, because it's it's a lot of the same faces now for two years, you now the core group. And I do think it's, if they really want to stay where they are and start building something that's long term, I understand it's a really difficult market to recruit in. I do get it. And you have to buy plays that are going to improve the side. But I do think, you know, there does need to be some sort of investment into the side this summer. Because it's going to be another really long, difficult campaign next year. You know, campaigns where you need to go to every single ground that you play at and push for three points. you can't just you can't just go to Old Trafford now and you know come away with a point and be happy. You have to go to Old Trafford, Etihad. You know, go to which is being difficult as well. You need to go to these places and and win, and you're doing that week in, week out. And I just think you need some good, strong reinforcements. Um, But, you know, it's hard, Josh, because it is a really difficult market and it's hard when you're such a good side as well in terms of finding those right players that
1: can actually improve. Yeah, I mean, it it seems to be a case of, because of the coronavirus hit, the hitting revenue and all that sort of stuff, it seems to be a case of us waiting until we we know when everything is going to be back to normal. Then we will know how much we can spend roughly. Um and I think the the pair I suppose of of doing that waiting and sort of see how the market develops, see if any you know unhappy players materialise. Like say for example, you know Assar, he it, it might be a bit airy for him to start, you know picking up a fuss basically. But if it if it gets close to the new season and he starts to do that starts agitating like for a move mm-hmm. then that presents the opportunity for liverpool to then come in and say listen we can offer you a, and i will let hear if you want it um so i think it it's a bit of a positive in that regard but the only downside is if you know obviously the, the the quality talent in europe is is getting poached now by players uh, by clubs in the same league as us man united are picking them up chelsea are picking them up um arsenal aren't <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. it, it's a it's a one, Um yeah I, th- yeah, I th- yeah, I think you need to see who you can sell as well. Liverpool needs to have a look who you can actually sell, and I think you, you mentioned it, about things staying the same for for two years. Um not only if they stay, this are they going to stay the same? But Lalana's is now left, lot of them left, so. And by all accounts you know we're going into the intangibles here but by all accounts they were big characters in the in the squad then um so i'd, I'd be surprised if at the end of this window liverpool don't have another attacker and a solution to the center back void that we now have because of Loven. Mm-hmm. i wouldn't be that shocked if we went another season with Andy Robertson as and the left back. Because I think I think if needs must, Nico Williams can play over there. Harvey Elliott's been playing left back and training by all accounts. Um, so be be... Yeah. Harvey Elliott, has been playing left back and training, yeah. What? Um well uh, to be honest, it makes it make sense to me because uh, it kind of gets a defensive game instilled into him and it puts him up against Mo Salah who um, he's he's essentially trying to become um don't get me wrong i don't think that's a uh, something that's going to happen but yeah. i just i'm just talking about considering how little Robertson is is injured if that need comes up and it's maybe in the league cup you know what i mean i don't i don't think it's as much of a problem position as people people stress considering nico williams has played there against brighton recently mm. And Robertson's never been injured. I think selling Shaqiri and getting a better fourth attacker and somehow finding a way around the centre-back thing are the two stress and concerns. What I mean by finding a solution on the centre-back thing is I don't think you have to sign a centre-back to solve that. We mentioned last week, didn't we? You can maybe occasionally drop Fabinho back and... By dropping Fabinho back, you could maybe sign another midfielder instead, as opposed to another centre back. And then, say, for example, it was a midfielder who's aged a little bit, like a tiago Then maybe when Thiago was finished, move Fabinho back into midfield. And by the time that happens, maybe Kiana Hoover is mature enough to to step in, or Vandenberg, who you know, I know you've been impressed by at the youth games. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, really good points. Um, I'm
0: just thinking that you know we should probably add potential well. solutions. Yeah, is don't forget this this window. Although the season's shorter, uh, sorry, the season starts a little bit quicker. The window does go into October, doesn't it? So uh, going back to your point at the top, there is that uh, option to go to a player who maybe even a player who starts really well, and you think you know this player looks like they've developed a little bit over the summer. They probably have a, an impact straight away. You can go in after you've had a few games to get up to speed and be, and then make offers. Um, which is kind of what it used to be, didn't it? You used to have three weeks of football before the window shuts, and it feels like we're going back to
1: that this this summer, which could open a few more doors in itself. Yeah, another pair of waiting as well. I mean, this is this is quite a, a grim outlook on things, really. You know, but it's it's I suppose it's the way the market goes, I think if uh, what once Liverpool realise how long it'll be before things go back to normal, you'll then also get a vibe over, you know, the, the clubs that are really going to suffer from the financial hit. Like, say, for example, Norwich aren't the richest club at all, even when they've got all the revenue streams coming in. So if they was to find out that, they're waiting until, you know, after Christmas before they get another match date ticket sold. Maybe that's another little avenue you can you can go down and same to saying like we know Norwich going to be hit, we can offer them, you know, I don't know, five ten million less for Jamal Lewis. That sort. I of think. So I mm-hmm. think I think there's positives and bad in your time. I think it's it. I think it's different to to what other clubs tend to do in a transfer market, where they wait till deadline day before just going mental because they haven't really got a plan. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that Liverpool haven't got a plan. I think it's that Liverpool, uh, you know, operating in a market that. Has never been like this before, and they're just kind of keeping an eye out for, something to exploit, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that.
1: But it's
0: it's going to be an interesting few weeks. Do you, do you, just before we do wrap up, do you think it is it is kind of a big summer for Liverpool, or are you kind of have the opinion of they probably get away with not much activity for another year? Um.
1: I don't think it's a, uh, specifically a big summer. I think the, the squad is still in a position where it can still, it's it's still firmly at, at least the second best squad in the league. So I think you're looking at the top two again, regardless. But I do think, I do think we need to add at least, at least one new face, um, and I say that mostly because we've lost Alana and Lovren, mm. so you don't want to go into the new season weaker and I, I know that Curtis Jones is coming through and Nico Williams is coming through and you know that's great but I do think Liverpool would benefit this summer I know we did you know last summer we got away with it and all that sort of stuff but we, we just experienced our first proper goal right? and we got 97 points I think this season mm. second proper goal right we won it and we got 99 points I think um so yeah, I, I think looking ahead to the next season, I'd, I'd just like Liverpool to at least add one one new face, and I don't mean a new face as in Adrian, in you know, a back <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> I mean a proper tool for Klopp to use, a, a proper player who's going to actually make a difference to what what has at disposal. Mm. Um, but you know, we we I suppose we will see. Um so before we round off, just one little plug again towards analysing and Anfield newsletter. It will be sent out tomorrow. Sign up beforehand if you want to see the newsletter. This week it's gonna be just a little note on a set piece thing that we did. Um that I'm i I'm sure people would like to see that we can't actually show on on this type of podcast. Um Dave, what are you writing about this week with the Yeah, so
0: it's uh, it's Look ahead to the Champions League, oh yeah totally. mainly with a with a recap of of what happened in the first leg you know it was nearly six months ago now, which is bizarre, uh but I've been watching the games back at home um and writing about them you know some really, some really interesting games so far, we've had a look at um Napoli Barcelona and then later today, hopefully the podcast will be out um before the newsletter we're looking at. Leon Juventus, which again was tactically quite interesting. Um and then we'll have a look at the other games and round off the week and then it'll be something completely new next week. So um by all means, if anyone's got any ideas, drop me or me or yourself, Josh, a your message and we'll we'll have a look at a new topic over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, something new
1: every week. Yeah, so do sign up. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Cheers. And we will see you next week. Cheers.
0: You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.